off. I will be moderating the chat. Um, I always try to check in if you have any questions or need any you know, information, um, but just know we uh, love you and we are here and it might be a little bit different today, but they just wanted to let us know so that you would know that they weren't on there this week. But like I said, I will be there and I always check in. Um, and the next thing I want to mention, I've said it the past couple of weeks, as you know, we operate on a fiscal year um, and we met our stewardship goal. We are end of fiscal year ends June 30th. Um, so we're trying to get a head start on next year because what we've noticed is that when people engage and set up a reoccurring donation, it makes a huge impact and it allows us to just have that foundational support to run things here at New Church Live. Um, and that was part of what really helped us get over um, and ahead of our goal this year. And I don't know about you, but um, sometimes in the summer, I'm away more on the weekends or I might not watch church, you know, at church on Sunday at 1030. But um, I still want to support New Church Live. So what I've done, and it has made a huge difference for me in my life, I'm always trying to automate things, um, is I've set up a reoccurring donation. And it just is a really great way to support New Church Live on a regular, sustaining way. And the impact is huge by the end of our year. So I would encourage you, if you're thinking about it, to set up a reoccurring donation. Um, and all you have to do to do that or make any donation is text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase, to 77977. And you can make a donation or, like I said, set up a reoccurring donation. Um, you can also do it on our website. Um, all the information is there as well. But like I said, it's that small sustaining support that really makes a huge impact and allows us to plan and, um, you know, let things happen here at New Church Live. So we appreciate you. We want to welcome you to New Church Live. We're so happy you're here. And now um, here's Pastor Chuck. So great to have you here joining us today. I'm Senior Pastor Chuck Blair of New Church Live. Wonderful to have you joining us, whether you're joining us from here in the Philadelphia region, down at the shore, up in the mountains, in the Philippines. I know we have some folks joining us from Africa and some folks from Europe as well. So welcome to New Church Live. It is great to have you here. As the musicians come out, we have a wonderful service ahead for you today. And we're gonna talk about this idea of searching for a new Sunday. Like, what does it look like? Churches are going through this huge sea change. I mean, dramatic changes. And, and how do we find Sundays again? And it's, and it's going to look different. And this is what I know. The heart's going to be the same. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, that heart. Not just churches as institutions, but, but that spiritual part of us that can come alive. So with that, I want to give everyone a warm welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Thank you. What a beautiful song. What a, what a great way to start a, a Sunday, folks. And, and taking a look at, at searching for a new Sunday. And, and again, how does that look? And, and I want to talk a bit about Sundays and, and, and this idea of, of finding that sacred space in our hearts. Because Sundays, obviously, is, is, is something that's transportable. You know, in this day and age, with church, you know, not uncommon. A lot of people watch during the week. You know, probably for some people, church for them is their Monday morning commute on I-95 because that is the place where you most need church. And, and I want to talk about it a bit. I want to come from this perspective, this perspective. It's interesting hearing that beautiful song that Emily just shared, you know, and, and that idea, wherever I'm going, I'm already whole. I'm already whole. That hidden wholeness, as Parker Palmer said, that's so much about what it is discovering. 
or rediscovering might be a better way to say it. I, I was struck a few weeks ago doing a wedding and I was talking to one of the musicians after the wedding, and, and uh, I hadn't worked with him before. He liked the wedding. We're chit-chatting, and he said, you know, I wasn't any good at music until joy took over my whole body. What a beautiful image that is, where he found that, that his craft, his craft at life, his craft of his gift, really came into being when he allowed joy to overtake his whole body. So I want to talk a bit about, about like, yeah, what is this like searching for a new Sunday? How do we do it? How does that look? How do we recapture pieces of spirituality in our lives? And, and to get started on that, I want to go over here and, and chat a bit about how that might look. So just so you guys know, we will come back to brownies at the end of church, and I brought enough for everyone. So I, I want to talk about, about this part. You know, this idea of wholeness, this idea of wholeness. It's real important to start with the idea that, that church is not something that's about pointing out all the areas where you're wrong and you're off and it, it, uh, where you're bad, so to speak. I mean, are there places for accountability? Absolutely. Are there, are there places for cleaning things up? Absolutely. And... I think a lot about, well, what does church actually mean? Like, what is it that we're trying to do? Here's this new era where all of a sudden we've been thrust into an era where the vast 80, 90% of our congregation is online. And, and how is it that we, we continue that same heart of a message? Now, I want to use this little bell to, to show you how I, how I see it. Many of you know, you know, we do a little morning message every morning at 8.30 a.m. on our Facebook Live page. And, you know, about 100 people a day will join us by the end of the day. And it's, it's super fun and it's enjoyable and a way to just have a little conversation. More than welcome to do that. About 12 people join live. The rest join archived. You're more than welcome to do that on our Facebook page. And we use this bell as, as a prayer bell. And, and a prayer bell is just a way to, to clear our minds. And I just, I just think about this like, in terms of how it connects with human nature, how it connects with what we're trying, what we're trying to do. So just listen to this beautiful sound for a minute. That's a beautiful tone, a beautiful tone. I think that is kind of what we try to get back to when we're searching for a new Sunday. We're trying to come back to that part where the bell still rings, where it's outside of entertainment, it's outside of the frenetic part of life, it's outside of like one thing after another, and we just carve out time, and, and this is crazy, right? We carve out time to be surprised, to be surprised about what lives in our hearts, to be surprised about what lives in our soul to be surprised about the ways that God is showing up. And it takes time, and it takes patience, and it takes carving things out. It doesn't, doesn't give itself to like the two-minute bit, but it does give itself to us coming to a deeper understanding of the better angels of our nature. And, and I love this idea. You know, we talked about this last week. You know, this bell is great, but if I grab a hold of this bell, if my ego grabs a hold of it, you want to know what the bell sounds like when my ego grabs a hold of it? That's not a very pretty sound. So, so much of it is learning to let go. To let go 
and come into those, those rhythms of the story in your life. You know, that deepest soul level part that God wants to, God wants to see grow. And that's what really good churches do. And, and there are many of them, many, many good synagogues and mosques as well. You know, it's, it's where, we, where we're out there, we live our lives and we come into this place. And, and, and again, a lot of it's online. We come into this place and we just get reminded about what that bell sounds like. We inspire each other, we connect, and then we go out into the world and serve. So connection and service is how we try to do it. Now, with, with looking at how that works and, and the particular theology that, that this church sort of orbits around, our, our Christian new church view, it's important to understand that, you know, church, it, it, it oftentimes gets, um, loses the plot. It's so easy to lose the plot. I love this, this question, and this was from the Barna Foundation. Which one best captures your view of church? So what they did is that they, they had a, a list of pictures, and I only put the top two votes there. They had a list of pictures, and they said, all right, which one, they were asking young adults, which one best captures the view of church? And these were the top two. Can you guess which one of those top two was the most popular pick by people? How most people saw church? Yep, the finger pointing, the, the, like, the, the scolding, wagging finger. That's how most people saw church. That breaks my heart. <laughs> that's horrible. You know, that's how most people see it. Because it's not what it is. It's not the way church is, is supposed to to function. And I love this phrase, you know, the Barna Foundation went on, they said, well, you know, the way a lot of people see church today is they see it as lacking relational generosity. I love that phrase. And they, see, they saw it as hypocritical. In other words, saying one thing and doing another. And can we look at those challenges honestly and try to move forward in a spirit of service as best we can? with the tools we've been given. Again, doing our bit and then letting just the Lord take it from there. Plow the field, leave the rest to grace. I love that phrase. Plow the field, leave the rest to grace. So I want to talk about this, this image kind of of church and how this, how this image can work and, and, and what it can look like. Like how can we hold church, see church in a different way? It starts with this basic concept, that from a Christian new church perspective, variety is perfection. That it's never about pigeonholing like, oh, here is the one truth. I mean, we do believe there's such a thing as a true north. And we believe that people come to that true north from all different parts of the globe. <laughs> all pointed the same direction, but, but each with slightly different views of which when we can honor them, it creates a much more beautiful way of seeing the world. So, fast forward, book of Revelation to what we're gonna look at today. And the book of Revelation is, is, is the last book of the Bible, fascinating book, a lot of very dramatic imagery in that book. And here's an image in there. It's, it's an image where, they're, where, where the author's talking about the way God, church, and we're talking church inside of us individually as well as corporate church, you know, the way that's going to look. And, he, and, and, and the author uses this image. This is from John. He says it's kind of like God sitting right there in the middle. 
And then there's, then there's these seven lampstands. These seven lamps or lampsticks, however you want to hold it, kind of are gathered around God, each representing a different part of the human condition, each representing a different part of us. You could even say each representing different denominations. And that somehow in that roundness, that's where we find God. That makes us far less, I think it should, make us far less concerned about being right and far more concerned about being curious. Curious of how people see the world. Curious about how they move into the world. Curious about, about what, what calls to their heart. And when you get a chance to see that, boy, the world comes alive. I was interviewing a, a dear friend, Paul West, uh, down in Tennessee. And, and, and Paul, if you're watching, hello. Paul does monuments. He does monuments uh, for very, very high-end monuments for people who've lost loved ones. And, and talking to this about to Paul, and he, was, he loves what he does. He really loves to sort of capture people's lives in stone. And, and he said, you know, Chuck, I want to do, I wanna do a, a monument where the second you walk in, you see it and you know that's them. Now that kind of energy, that kind of love, that kind of joy, similar to the joy I talked about with that musician, that I think is what church, what we're trying to help people rediscover. It's the bell. Leonard Cohen, ring the bell that still can ring. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And when we can do that, all of a sudden, like there's an aliveness that starts to overtake us. A beauty and connection that we see in this picture. So I want you to see these, these seven lampstands, and granted, I can count, so I know there's only six people, so I want you to see it like this. This was a group who went down to serve with us pre-COVID, and, and it's just saying, okay, so we're all coming at this with our different perspective. How do we focus all towards serving? What are we fighting for? How do we focus all towards serving so that we start to move forward? So with that, folks, I want to read it to you, and then we're going to comment a bit on it. So what happens, there's these seven lampstands, and, and John hears God saying, all right, there are seven churches I want to talk about. The first one is the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and thinking God there, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work. I know that you cannot tolerate wickedness. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. In other words, it says, this is the promise, this is the mistake. You have forgotten your first love or forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, when we don't live into that place of who we're supposed to be, we sort of lose our enlightenment. We lose our spark. And I think you folks know that, right? When we're not living in the gifts that, that God has given us, when we're not allowing God to move through us, of course we lose our spark. Maybe church, maybe today, maybe in some small way, we just rekindle that a little bit. Now, I know with that, I love this, this line here, where, where Revelation 2, 2, where God says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. Like, that to me just helps me to breathe. Like, 
uh, notice it doesn't say, I know you've tried and you've never done it perfectly. It doesn't say that. It's not this call to perfection. It's God saying, look, I know. I know you're working hard. And I think we all know that, folks. Like, we all know that we're working hard. We're trying. Very few people wake up in the morning trying to do the worst they can do or as little they can do. Most people wake up and they wake up and they want that spark. They want that light. They want to hear that bell. And they want it to help them to move, to help them to live life in a new way. And what does, what does God say? Well, he says, well, this is the problem with this particular group at this particular time. He's talking about the church of Ephesus here. Again, not a literal church. Think of it as part of us too. He said, sometimes we go astray because we've done this. We have forsaken the love you had at first. We forgot our first love. In other words, we got things mixed up. And that happens all the time. The mixing up that he's talking about is where we, we start to regard truth as first and love as second. In other words, we start to look at the pictures to see the pictures in the reverse order that they should be. And life is so much about learning to go back to that, learning to, to return to our first love. Learning to return to our first love. Yesterday, my, my daughter brought over a, a couple of wonderful little kids and just watching them and just their spark for life. And they are just chatty and they're asking about this and they're asking about that and they're da-da-da-da. I think, yeah, that's it. That's, that's our first love where it's, where it's just loving other people. It's just connecting. That's where we will refine our spark. And when we come back, folks, I'm going to talk about how that actually looks. Like, how do we do that? How does a church become part of that as well? As we try to rediscover this, as the musicians come out, as we try to rediscover this, as we try to rediscover who we actually are. Two. Beautiful, thank you guys. That idea, folks, of, of coming back to, to who we actually are, like that, it's such a powerful view of, of, of what church is about, what spiritual growth is about, even about what the sacred know is about. You know, it took me a long time, and I've said this in here before, but I want to share it because it was really profound. And this just, insight was just a couple of years ago. You know, I was struggling with, well, why, why is so much of the Bible, you know, so much of the New Testament, you know, which is my favorite uh, part of it, you know, Gospel of John in particular, why does so much of it just consistently reminding us to repent, 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 repent? In other words, rethink, rethink, rethink. And the reason is why is, is because there's a default goodness in there. Think about that. It's, it's, it's sort of is holding that the good stuff is the default. My job is to get rid of the other stuff. So that who I truly am can shine through. I can choose to grab, grab hold and really sort of strangle that bell and it won't sound. And, and that's sort of the funny part is, you know, I, I'm sure all of us have been like with ourselves and with other people. You know, we watch people and they're like, look, this bell doesn't ring. It doesn't work. <laughs> well, it's because we're holding it too tightly. 
God very gently is asking us, just, just put it down. Allow that ringing to take place. The challenge is, of course, is, is we oftentimes forget. We forget this order, this proper order of things. And I think life is about progress, not perfection. It's about going back and forth and back and forth. And, and what happens when we forget? Well, I think we end up with this picture. We're literally like the, the pointing finger becomes more important than the helping hand. The pointing finger becomes more important than the helping hand. I see a lot, a lot of faith communities struggling with that. I see a lot of people struggling with that. I know I can certainly struggle with that. But that's not, when we get down to the essence of, of what God is asking us, it's not what he's asking us to do or what he's really asking us to be. Let's take a look at, at you know, and I'm going to, some of this stuff I think is personally pretty funny is, you know, when, when we really, really think our job is to point fingers at other people, and here I think we all do it, I know I certainly do, um, you know, what, what are sort of the costs of that? Well, the first here is, and I love this phrase, this is from Rachel Held Evans, you know, the phrase that we become intoxicated with certainty. Is that a good line or What? Yeah, we become intoxicated with being certain. We become intoxicated with knowing. I mean, and, and I can remember as a, as a, you know, in earlier years, you know, somebody would ask for, this is pre-GPS, obviously, somebody would ask for directions. Even if I hadn't been there, I would try to give them the answer. Because it's so easy. It's, it's this beautiful head trip to be intoxicated with certainty that I know, and I'm here to tell you, Got to be super careful with that. And it is, I think, so much part of the, of the human condition because so much of our lives, you know, our quote-unquote drug of choice is certainty. Like, we want to be certainty, we want to know, we want to be right. Nobody wants to be told they're not right. Or very few people. That again gets back to like that seven lampstands. It's such a, it's such a different view, right? How do we lose that plot? It's such a different view. Each one of these seven churches representing different parts of us, different organizational parts, all looking in, in different ways. That part, folks, too, what does it create? Well, if we get intoxicated by certainty, intoxicated by certainty, what will happen is this. We will start to explore this great realm of what is called border control Christianity. I like that phrase too. You know, border control Christianity says, I am more concerned about maintaining borders than I am about connecting with other people. And we're not talking literal borders here. We're, we're talking figurative borders. We're talking spiritual borders. We're talking those places where we're, where we're far more prone to judge than we are to love. Border control Christianity is not, it's not what Christianity is about. God again and again, you know, Jesus again and again talks about how this is good news for all nations, for all people. I love that idea. When we can move beyond being intoxicated with certainty, when we can move beyond border control Christianity, we can take our energy and place it elsewhere. We, we, we can even find some real humor there. <laughs> 
some parts of our life where, where just the human condition is just funny. And I think God really enjoys that lightness. I think God really enjoys the lightness that we can hold in our lives. And it's a bad joke. It's a bad pastor joke, bad pastor joke, but it is Father's Day. So just put this under the category of bad dad jokes. You know, why can angels fly? Because they take themselves so lightly. And, and I think there is a bit of wisdom to that. And I love the way, this is the way Brennan Manning phrases it. I love this, this phrase. When I get honest, I admit I am a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling good, guilty. I am trusting and suspicious. I am honest and I still play games. Aristotle said I am a rational animal. I say I am, I am an angel with an incredible capacity for beer. <laughs> like, I like that phrase a lot. Because I think, right, like that's who we are. And, that's, and folks, understand, that's who God loves. That's who God is crazy about. That is, that is who God is crazy about. And I think, I hope, I wish, that you can just hear that bell start to ring right there. You can just start to feel that spark right there. You can just start to feel that lampstand right there. Because if you can hold yourself this way, you're going to be able to hold everyone else that way too. And you're not going to get intoxicated with certainty. And you're not going to be worried about border control Christianity. You're going to be open. Open to the miracle of all the people that God has put in our life. It's a much better, it's a much softer place. Now, of course, that's why, you know, with this story in Revelation, from Revelation 2, 5, this is, this is what God offers to the church of Ephesus. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. In other words, Go back to your first love. Go back to that thing you loved at first. I love that idea of go back to that thing that you love at first. And, and how is it that we do that, folks? How is it that we do that? When we focus first on the good goodness of life, truth appears in its own light. Now that may sound very heady and very theological, and it is, but it, but it's, but it's significant, and it's significant to think not just like, well, that's kind of love stuff. No, this is truth. This is, this is what truth actually looks like, truth as the form of love. Imagine that. When we focus on the good goodness of life, truth appears in its own light. Like, when I can really put my attentiveness towards the very goodness of life, all of a sudden I'll start to see what's true. And, and we can get lost all the time. Like I lose my spark constantly and I, I lose my way and I'm not sure. I imagine you're the same way all the time. We are losing our way constantly. How do we get back on the path? We focus on what's good, on the goodness of life. And then we'll start to see what's true. That doesn't mean we don't learn truth. Of course we do. Learning truth is like learning the scales in music. But if I asked these wonderful musicians to come up and practice the scales every Sunday, you'd be pretty bored. <laughs> 
It's about how we take that and how we use it and how we use it like the heart is that, in it, is, is that part that, that, that tells us what that looks like and focusing on that goodness. Last night, you know, uh, my wife asked, what do you want for Father's Day? I said, oh, let's just all grab dinner together. So we did it last night versus today because kids, our kids are all older. They had other things to do. And so we did like a nice little Father's Day thing. My wife got me Reuben. I love Reuben sandwiches, right? And so she got me pastrami-flavored potato chips. Who knew, right? Who knew? But that's my love language. So, so we get these gifts, and, and then, uh, you know, the, the basic deal in our house throughout our marriage is that whoever cooks doesn't have to do dishes. Well, I never cook, so I always do the dishes. <laughs> so I was doing the dishes last night, you know, and the kids are in the other room, and again, they're not kids anymore. They're beautiful adults, and, and, and I'm just, I'm washing the dishes, you know, and I'm just thinking, like, hearing them talk to each other, and just like, oh, life is so Life is so good. It's not that our family doesn't have challenges. We got challenges galore. And I know that the way we will find our way forward is by looking at the goodness of moments like that and trusting that God will show all of us the way. We focus on the moments of good, the moments of goodness like that. God will show us the way. When we focus on that goodness, the bell rings, the spark returns. The bell rings, the spark returns. That place, folks, you know, we, we can see it again and again. And here, for those of you who are joining us in person or online, uh, very often in church, what we do is we, we do these little questions. And this is, this is a question dealing with this, this little memorial stone here. This is a memorial stone I saw online, and it's a grandma who put her fudge recipe on her memorial stone. Is that good or what? I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Now, again, it's just a fudge recipe, right? Like, big deal, you can actually, you can take a screenshot of this and try it at home. We didn't, we went with brownies. But I want you to see how good that is. That's the goodness of life. Just, just well, I, I, won't, I won't blab you the answer here. I'm gonna let you folks answer, I'm gonna give my answer. So I want, but I want you folks to have a chance to give yours before I give mine. I want you looking at her memorial stone. What truth, take a look at this question, looking at her memorial stone, what truth appears in its own light? Looking at this memorial stone, what truth appears in its own light? So when you look at that stone and you think about her family, you think about her grandkids, you think about her great-grandkids, you think about her great-great-grandkids, you think about the stranger walking through that particular cemetery, you know, what, when you look at it, what truth is apparent there? What truth is appearing in its own light? So what I'd love for you to do is to take 60 seconds and to text me in an answer to that question. Or if you're gathered here, it's just you're welcome to share it, welcome to chat with a partner over what your answer for that might be. And then when we come back out of the 60 seconds, I'm going to share a handful of these and we're going to talk about, yeah, what is it like to see that truth that appears in its own light? Please take 60 seconds and do that.
All right, folks, I'm going to move on over here to chat about this and, and to, to take a look. And, and I think now you can see why I brought brownies, you know, for church, for church today. Uh, you know, as, as always, folks, just beautiful answers. I'll share a handful that came in. Uh, she's all about giving happiness to others, even when her earthly body is gone. Her love was unconditional. All she wanted was for her loved ones to enjoy life, probably in the most simple way, like eating fudge. Hard to frown when you are eating fudge. That is, so, it's impossible to frown when you are eating, when you are eating fudge. An uncle who passed away had always told silly jokes to everyone, especially those he just met. He's forever remembered in those jokes. We even call him Uncle Johnny jokes. Her warm, inviting, and sharing nature, beautiful. The richness of her love comes from many ingredients. That's a beautiful play on words there. Children, grandchildren coming together to make this wonderfully loving family. I think it shows her love of the simple things in life that hold us together, like good foods will do. That is written by a, somebody who, a dear friend who loves to enjoy good food with other people. She held herself lightly. Yeah, that's good. She did hold herself lightly. It's not too, that's not a very serious memorial, which I love. She loved to cook for her family. She probably made it for holidays, gave it as gifts. And beautiful to think, those gifts, right? That word. They looked forward to it. She's paying it forward. The sweetness of life and love is the memory of fudge from her. Right, it wasn't just the fudge. Fudge was just the love delivery system. Her love of caring for others and love for others who care. And last one, when we get the ego out of the way, the purity of God's solutions can surface, but we must see that we are the ones who edge God out, ego, not him forsaking us. Folks, those, like you, just, you just think about, right, like the beauty of that, right? And, and, and that idea of sharing, like, like even imagine, folks, yeah, it'll mean a lot to her kids and her grandkids and her great-grandkids, but it'll mean to, a lot to a lot of people. Like, you see that, right? Just imagine a stranger seeing that. Like, you, you see that. And, and, and we know that person. Just by the simple fact she put a fudge recipe there. When we focus on good, the truth will appear in its own light. Now, do you think if we had, her, had Kay here on stage, we could channel her, I say that with a smile, right? If, if, we, if we could get back in touch with her somehow, do, do you think she would say her family life was always perfect, yes or no? No. Do you think she would say she was the perfect mom? Nope. I'm sure not. Or the perfect grandma. But there's something about this that, that points to the human condition. And as we search for a new Sunday, that's that piece we're searching for. And the miracle is that we know it when we see it. The miracle is we know it when we experience it. The miracle is we know it when we're in an environment that helps to promote and support it. And that, my friends, is what church is all about. Figuring those places where we can love and support the best of each other. Even in those times that are heartbreakingly difficult. Devastating even. Can we still find that holding? 
that focus on what is good, that will show us what is true, that will show us the way, help us to hear the bell again, help us to feel that spark again, all done within this beautiful community, joined by many communities trying to do the same thing. So to close here, folks, we're gonna do the prayer part a little differently today. What we're gonna do is we're gonna do it the way we do it actually as part of our daily little service, which is I'm actually gonna ring the bell and I'm just gonna ask you just to like take a big breath and just let God speak to you as you hear that bell. Don't search for the voice. Again, don't grab the bell. Let, let the voice, let the spirit come to you. And it may be a felt emotion, it may be a thought, but just let it come to you as we move on trying to do the best we can in the week ahead. All right, let's all get a big breath. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here among us today. Thank you, Lord, for your help, for your guidance, for your love, for your way. Help us to live more deeply into that. Help us to remove, you know, remove from us the, the temptation towards absolute certainty in all things, to the idea that we know all things. Leave us open. Leave us curious. Leave us, Lord, in love in love with the world, in love with others, in love with the traffic jams, in love with the challenges, in love with the problems, which will make us this, in love with each other and in love with you. Help us to live there. Help us to trust. As we focus on goodness, we will see the truth. Bless our ways, Lord. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you, and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen.